Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. We're going we're gonna to get into number four uh, part of our, I think, eight-part series, six-part series of, of our Romans chapter eight series. And today we're going to be talking about committing to seeing that, uh, believing that I'm not a slave to fear. And now fear is one of those things that, like, we all have it. Um, whether we like to admit it or not, we all got it. Um, I don't know if, if, I, if this resonates with any parents out there, but I was one of those parents that when I had little babies, I'd find myself walking in the room and, and I'd stand there for like five minutes until I, I knew that I saw them breathing up and down. Um, and there was times where I wake up in the middle of the night and I just, I, I couldn't fall back asleep until I go and check on my kids. Like, just that fear of worrying about stuff. I remember when I was dating uh, Crystal. We were dating in high school and be hanging out at my mom and dad's house. I used to say my house, but then I realized now that I've got kids and like no, I put all the money into that, so it's our house. So it's, it was my mom and dad's house. I get that now. Um, but we'd be hanging out at, at that house and, and she'd have to drive about 20 minutes home uh, fairly late at night in the north woods, dark and all that stuff. And I, uh, I'd be worrying the whole time. Um, there's just, worry is, is something that, I don't know, it's, I've always had plenty of struggles with worry. Uh, I've said it before, I, even these OCD kinds of tendencies that are almost fear-like, I'd, I'll get in, the, in my car after I'm at work for the day, and I'll, I'll feel like I locked the door to the office, and I'm sitting in my car, and I'm like, oh, do I need to go check it? And I, I, inevitably, every time, I get out and I check to make sure that I locked the door. Um, just these things come up. We have fears. We have anxieties. And so I'm going to actually do something with you. Um, this is something that I do with our students uh, at CYJ every now and then. Um, I want you to think. Uh, give yourself, you're going to give yourself a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being as little as possible. 10 being as much as possible. And, and I, now at youth group, I'm like, I'm gonna ha- I have all the kids. You're gonna, I want you to raise your hand based on what you feel is, is the number for you. Some of you are, are private people. Once you get to become adults, I get it. You like get really private. So maybe you're going to hold your hands up, down really low. I don't care. But I want you to think about this. What is your typical anxiety level, your fear level? Maybe in comparison to the people around you, but just in general. Give, it, give yourself a 1 to 10. Maybe you hold that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold up a 4 because that's like where I'm at. But some of you can, you can hold up a number if you've, if you've got one. And some of you are thinking, Kellen, I don't like this. I don't come to church to tell people how anxious I am and all that stuff. Uh, some of you are holding up a 10 and you're like anxiously looking around. That's, well, that seems right. Um, the reason I want you to think about that is every single one of us, whether we like it or not, we have anxieties. We have fears. Uh, but I also want you to realize um, while we all have those anxieties and fears, there's something important that I think we need to see. And that is just because you don't have fears, it doesn't necessarily mean that you trust Jesus more than the person to your right or left. But on the flip side of that, just because you do have lots of fears and anxieties, that also doesn't mean that you necessarily don't trust Jesus as much as the person next to you. Um, Some of us struggle with fear, some of us don't. When I was a kid, my fear level was off the charts. Somewhere in the course of growing up, that fear level has evened out a little bit. Um, some of us, it's a, it's a natural stu- struggle more than it is for other people. 
But I think Paul, in Romans chapter 8, tries to tell us something about our fear. And when it comes to fear, the, the thing that he says is we are not meant to be slaves to our fear. He doesn't necessarily say that we're not going to have fear, but he says that we're not meant to be slaves to our fear. So, for all of the anxiety that you have out here, whether you're at a 1 or a 4 or a 10, normally I th- I'd say I'm like around a 4. Maybe this last week I felt like I was around a 6. It can go up and down like that. Uh, but maybe no matter where you're at, maybe you can actually experience fear and, and have fear and anxiety go in you, but maybe we don't have to actually be slaves to it even when we feel that. And so I think the answer comes here in this, in this passage of Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at 11, 11 verses. It's going to be a little bit of a longer read maybe than normal. Uh, I thought about maybe giving you guys a break halfway through, but I'm just going to read through. Okay, so here we go. Romans 8, starting in verse 15. This is from the NIRV. Uh, the kids in Kidsworks, they use the NIRV because it's, it's a really nice understandable version. They call it the nerve. Um, and, and they kind of say it like nerve. Like they're, it's a little bit obnoxious, but that's, that's what they do. So here it is. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear once again. Instead, you received the Holy Spirit who makes you God's child. By the Spirit's power, we call God Abba. Abba means Father. The Spirit himself joins with our spirits. Together they give witness that we are God's children. As his children, we will receive all that he has for us. We will share what Christ receives. But we must share in his sufferings if we want to share in his glory. What we are suffering now is nothing compared to the glory that will be shown in us. Everything God created looks forward to the time when his children will appear in their full, full and final glory. The created world was bound to fail. But that was not the result of its own choice. It was planned, that was, it was planned by th- that way by the one who made it. God planned to set the created world free. He didn't want it to rot away completely. Instead, he wanted it to have the same glorious freedom that his children have. We know that all that God created has been groaning. It is in pain as if it were giving birth to a child. The created world continues to groan even now. And that's not all. We have the Holy Spirit as the promise of future blessing. And And we also groan inside ourselves as we look forward to the time when God will adopt us as full members of his family. Then he will give us everything he has for us. He will raise our bodies and give glory to them. That's the hope we had when we were saved. But hope that can be seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? We hope for what we don't have yet, so we are patient as we wait for it. Now, I, I, I just read all that. I'm going to go back to the very first verse that we just read there. Because really, the first verse here, it sets up everything that Paul is talking about in this part of Romans 8. He said, you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear once again. Instead, you received the Holy Spirit who makes you God's child. Now, I was looking at different versions of this, of this passage, and I was looking at this verse, and I, I caught something kind of interesting. The NIV actually doesn't p- put the word again in there. That again is lost in the NIV, and there's a bunch of versions where again is actually lost. There is a Greek word at the end of the, this, this sentence that is, the Greek word is palin. You want to guess what the word palin means? It means again. And so I got to thinking about that, and it was really interesting that, first off, that some translations kept that out in the translation. I think it's a super important aspect to this verse. And the reason for it is, 
Paul is saying we didn't receive the spirit of fear once again when we came to Jesus. In other words, we were born into this, this faulted spirit. Uh, Paul actually talks about how we were born into Adam. Uh, and that what he means by that is the sin that Adam and Eve walked into in the Garden of Eden, there was consequences that came with that. And part of that consequence actually is this slave to fear that we had when we were born into this world. But I love how Paul is saying, we didn't, when we come to Jesus, we don't get that same thing again. We don't get that same, uh, that same spirit of fear given to us. We now have something different, something better that's given to us. We've been given God's spirit. We have been made family with God. Uh, we've been given a father in heaven. We now have a loving father with whom fear is not meant to be the defining trait of how we experience him. Uh, but before we were given the spirit, the Holy Spirit, there was this fear. And there was this, uh, the, the, this break in this relationship that wasn't meant to be the way it is. And Paul's trying to see, I think, that we have an incredibly great privilege. Every single follower of Jesus, we are born into something new when we come to Jesus. And here's what it is. The great privilege of serving Jesus is that we get to live life unafraid. We get to live life completely unafraid. If, that's, if, if we follow along with the Spirit, we can live life unafraid. Uh, again, verse 15, it was saying, we weren't given this Spirit that makes us a slave to fear. See, there is no fear in God. What, what in the world would God have to be fearful of? There is nothing. And so if we are abiding in that spirit that he has given to us, we also can live in that same kind of place where no matter what's going on around us, we can be unafraid. Now there's a lot of talk about privilege in our day today. It's kind of around all the time. And the truth is we all have certain privileges. Uh, can you imagine what a privilege it would be to live life completely without fear. I gotta be honest, that one scares me a little bit. If I, if I had the privilege of truly living without any fear whatsoever, I would have jumped out of a plane yesterday. Like, that would be probably one of the first things that I would do. Would love to jump out of a plane. But I don't jump out of a plane because I don't want to die. Frankly, okay? I also would say this, I think if, if, I were not, if I had the privilege of not having any fear whatsoever, I would speed a lot. And you, and you know, every single one of us, the only reason we don't speed is because you're afraid of those flashing lights behind you, right? Um, during Christmas, every Christmas season, I feel like I have a little bit more anxiety than normal because you look up in the rear view mirror and you see lights flashing. And you're like, oh no. That, that sinking feeling when you feel like you're about to get stopped for speeding, mm -mm. it's no fun. But it's that fear that keeps me away from it. And, and the truth is, is a, a lot of the fears that we have, some of those fears that we have, they're actually, maybe they're for our health and our benefit. Um, it's good to have a little bit of a fear of jumping out of a plane because it keeps you from maybe dying as much, okay? Uh, it's good to have a little bit of a fear uh, of speeding because it keeps you safe on the road. And just like the Bible also talks about how we are supposed to have a healthy fear of God. But that fear is not like the kind of fear that Paul's talking about in this passage. The kind of fear that Paul's talking about is this debilitating fear that you become a slave to where you almost can't even function in your life. 
See, we get the privilege of being able to live our lives without fear that paralyzes us like that. And my privilege in serving Jesus is that I can be unafraid of the what-ifs of life because my trust is in him who actually is life. Too much of the time we are afraid of the what-ifs. But I think Paul would say it's the what-ifs of life that we're not called to be, to be living in fear out of that. There's a verse in this passage that I think if, when we read it, you can either get completely terrified of this verse, or it can actually be a verse that sets you free. And it comes, it's verse 17. I'm going to read it again. It says, as his children, we will receive all that he has for us. We will share what Christ receives. But then there's this last part. It says, but we must share in his sufferings if we want to share in his glory. I don't know about you, but that's one of those verses that I've read since I was a kid. And I'm like, that verse should be taken out of the Bible. Like, there's, that doesn't sound awesome, God. I don't, I don't know why you put that one in there. Um, but actually, I think that this verse can be super freeing. That something good can come when we suffer. Uh, when I was a kid, we went to... I shouldn't say I was a kid, man. The first time I got to go see the ocean, I was a senior in high school. I'm not upset at my parents for depriving me as a little child, but that's a long time to wait to see the ocean. So we're driving, we're driving down to Georgia. We went down to Atlanta and Savannah, and then we, we got to the coast. And it's just hours and hours of driving. And it was my parents in the front seat, this little four-door sedan. It was me in the back seat with my little sister and my grandpa. All the way down to Georgia. It was... So fun. I had a Game Boy that I had bought at like a, a garage sale or something. It was like the only thing that I had to play with. And it was, yeah, so it was a lot of fun to go there. But here's the thing. When I got to the ocean, was it worth it? Yes. We did the same thing with my kids a couple years ago. We decided to go down to Florida. And so we drove 19 hours, like 1,100 plus miles down to Florida. Um, it was in many respects awful. It was great in, the, in other respects. You know, we had to stop at the, the worst hotel I've ever stayed at in my life in Alabama. Crystal and me, we were like, we needed like four hours to just sleep for a little bit. So it was like a red roof inn that I, I wouldn't pay money to sleep in again. Um, so there was some th things on a, on a drive like that, that. But we kept telling our kids, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And we get to the ocean, and sure enough, like, it's, they still talk about the experience of going and seeing the ocean. Um, in Romans 8, I think Paul is actually kind of, he's trying to actually get that idea into us a little bit. That because of Jesus, whatever you go through, whatever you go through, it is absolutely going to be worth it. He's saying in this life, you are going to have struggle. It's not always going to be awesome. But in it, what is happening is Jesus is preparing us for something that can never be taken away from us. He's preparing us for an eternity that is Everything will look like it was worth it once we get there. In fact, verse 18, the next thing he says was, what we are suffering now is nothing compared with the glory that will be shown in us. That's one of my favorite. So we go from one of the, my least favorite verses of the Bible to one of my favorite verses of the Bible. That everything we suffer, it is going to be worth it for what God's going to do in us. We need to find a way to not be afraid of the what ifs. But the only way that we're going to find not ourselves not being afraid of the what ifs is if we are tapping into this spirit 
that God has given us through Jesus when we decided to follow Jesus. We have to expect the hard stuff in life is going to come. Not just be like, oh man, I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful that my life is so good right now and I'm, I'm pretty, I hope it just stays that way. Like, there's got to be a thing inside of us. Like when you're, some of you Packer fans, when you were watching the game last night, you knew oh, this is probably going to turn out bad. That, that's the life of my life and the Vikings' life, okay? There has to be a little bit of let, let's expect it and be ready for it because God hasn't promised us that it's all going to be great. Now let me, let me argue against this idea of fear for a minute from a rational point of view. You know, we look at scripture all the time, but, but I, I want to take a little bit of a rational view here real quick. Um, there's a difference between living with an acceptance that bad things are going to happen and that you're just going to have to deal with it and fearing that bad things are going to happen. One thing is accepting it. One thing is fearing it. And so this, uh, the Department of Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, they did a study a number of years back. They took 29 people who, who ha have anxiety issues and they did a study on them. For 10 straight days, they had them write down all of the fears that, that came into their, into their minds. So for 10 days, they were writing all this stuff down. And then they followed them for 30 days to see what of those fears actually came true. You want to guess how many, what percentage of the fears actually came true? It was 91.4% of the, the fears that they had did not happen. So we're talking, what, 8.6% of it actually happened. But here's what's really interesting. Of all of, of, the, of all those people that they studied, 29 people, the thing that was most common was that of all these fears that somebody had in those 10 days, most of the people had none of them come true over the next 30 days. So 100% of the things that they were worried about in a 10-day span did not happen over the course of 30 days. That was the most common thing. Kind of puts into perspective how we, how we fear about stuff. I would say this. At best, 10% of our fear is rational fear. 90% of our fear is irrational fear. My question then for you is, where do you live? Do you live in that 10%? of that rational fear that, that's just kind of there and you can live with it? Or do you live in the 90% of irrational fear? Now, I can't, I can't control certain thoughts of fear coming into my head at times. I don't think any of us can always control all of our thoughts. We can wake up in the morning and say, hey, God, uh, help, me to, help my thought life to be, to be good today, and, and I pray that you'd keep fears out of, my, out of my head. The truth is, though, is I think the enemy uses fears. He wants to use fears, and he... He wants to implant those thoughts into our head. Just those fears being there is not what we're really talking about here. It's that dwelling on them, becoming a slave to those fears. We need to realize this. Your fears are not going to keep you from experiencing pain. When I was a kid and I would worry all the time, I, I, it's almost like I would worry so much to try to, like, okay, if I worry about this, I'm going to keep it from happening. <laughs> That's not going to happen. The power of Jesus in our lives can walk us through any pain that we might experience. So we need to choose to give our fears over to Jesus rather than, than letting those fears own us. Okay, so that was maybe the, the, the rational, logical reason why I think we should, we should try to find ways to let this fear go. Um, but I want to give you some, some more scripture outside of Romans chapter 8 that talks about fear. Um, one of them here is John 14, 27. And this is Jesus talking to us. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When we get to follow Jesus, here's one thing I love. We are called to, but we also get to live by faith and not fear. We're called to live by fear, but I want you to understand it's actually a privilege that you get to live by faith and not fear. We are privileged in who we are in Christ that he's told us, I don't want you living in fear. Sometimes we feel like we, we have to keep living in fear, man. We get, to, we get to live in peace. Speaking of peace, Isaiah 9, 6, there's this prophecy regarding Jesus, and he's, he's referred to as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6. So here's the thing. We are called to, and we get to, put our trust in the Prince of Peace. Nobody else out, out there gets to put their trust in someone that's actually, the name given for him is Prince of Peace. Unless you follow Jesus. Jesus, for us, is a known commodity. We know what we get from him. And that's why, that, that's why he can give us peace. He, he came into this world. He lived a perfect life. He died a death for our sake. And he rose from the dead. We've got this thing that we know about Jesus. And because of all of that, he can be our peace, no matter what. Philippians 4, 6 calls this peace that we get to have in Jesus, calls it a peace that goes beyond any human understanding. So we can give our hearts and our minds and our fears over to Jesus. And he actually gives us a peace that we can't comprehend how we even got that peace. One of my favorite things is when I'm going through tough stuff and it feels like in that difficult week, I'm in a better place with God than I was in the week that came before when things were easier. That's that peace that when we actually give over the fears that we're dealing with, when we give it over to Jesus, he gives us a peace that goes beyond anything else that we could comprehend. I love the privilege of being able to, at any moment, we can give these fears over to God and we can trust Jesus more than we trust our fears. And one of the verses that we're going to get into next week, uh, it talks about this promise that we have of God's care. And it says, Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now the question for you this morning is, do you trust that statement? Do you trust... That God actually cares for our needs. Again, this verse, we'll talk about it next week. This verse is not saying everything good is going to happen for you. He cares for our good. He's going to work towards our good. But sometimes our good maybe doesn't look like what we... It's not what God actually thinks is the best good. Sometimes we think something should be good and God's like, eh, maybe not. Do we trust that he is actually working for the good of us in all things? Because um, what happens sometimes is I think we start, to, we start to live our lives in almost this panic room. You ever, you ever go to a house where there's a panic room? And it's this room, and I don't know if it's usually in the middle of the house or what, but it's a, a house where it's probably fortified by concrete walls or maybe even steel. Um, I'm obviously not an engineer. I have no clue. Um, but inside that panic room, you're probably going to have maybe some food in case you've got to be in there for a while, You'll, maybe some weapons. Um, but it's that place that you can go to in the moment of your panic. There was actually a, a, a movie about this called The Panic Room with Jodie Foster a, a bunch of years back. And she got stuck in this panic room with her diabetic daughter. There was three, some guys coming in into the house trying to rob the house. And so they go into this panic room. But here's the thing about a panic room. 
Is a panic room a place where you can spend a long time? No. Panic room is where you go for an emergency situation. The problem is, is a lot of us, like we have our, we have the, the, the moments where we kind of go into our, our own emotional panic room. The problem is a lot of us, we are living in a panic room. We're not meant to live in a panic room. We're meant to, when, when we're struggling with our fears and our fears are overcoming us, there, there may be times where, where we go to some coping mechanisms that is like this panic room for us, but we're not meant to be there for good. There is a difference for us between coping mechanisms and conquering mechanisms. The coping mechanisms, I mean, it might be something like, uh, sometimes maybe, maybe you shut down when everything around you is just getting to be too much and you can't handle anymore, and so the first thing you do is you shut down. Maybe your coping mechanism is you go to Netflix. That's, a, I, that's mine sometimes, okay? Um, or Disney Plus or whatever you got. We've got these coping mechanisms, but the truth is, is that there's a promise that we have, there's promises that we have in Jesus that, that can become our conquering mechanisms. Things like Roman, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, where Jesus, where we're told, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Man, that's, that's such a powerful verse. We do not have to go into our panic room every time we encounter fear. Because we have not been given a spirit of fear. We've actually been given this sound mind. And some of you are like, I don't feel like I've been given that sound mind. Here's the thing. We have been given a sound mind. So whether or not we're going to go to Jesus in that moment that we need him to bring that spirit out in us. Spirit of power and love and a sound mind. This verse right here is a verse that can help us to conquer. Rather than to just go into this panic room and survive and cope. We are not the ones who do the conquering in the face of our fears. It's Jesus and it's the spirit that he has given to us. Bringing out all of this power and this love. And making us into a sound mind. I want you to think about this verse where, where God is saying that we have a sound mind. There's a guy named David Guzik who says, The ancient Greek word here had the idea of a calm, self-controlled mind. In contrast to the panic and the confusion that rushes in when we're in a fearful situation. I want you to realize that you have actually been given a calm, sound mind. Whether you, whether you feel that in your spirit or not, that is the spirit that you've been given once you've accepted Jesus into your heart. Uh, but a lot of it's a battle of the mind. I, I don't know if, how many of you guys maybe used to play Madden football. Or you watched uh, John Madden as, a, as an announcer. But the late, great John Madden had one of these statements that it still makes me smile every time I hear it. He said, 90% of the game is half mental. Just think about it for a minute, okay? 90% of the game is half mental. And I, obviously what he's saying there is so much of what the game of football is. It's a, it's a mental game. You've got to think through it and you've got you to be smarter than the other guy. And a lot of it when it comes down to our fears, 90% of it is half mental. It's what are we thinking about in the presence of fear. We are going to have fear come. Like that's just going to, it's going to happen. We're going to have fear, we're going to have anxieties come. But how are you thinking about it in that moment then? What promises are you going to when that fear comes upon you? I can either become a slave to my, my fears or I can choose to believe that God has actually given me this new spirit. 
One that is strong and is calm in the face of all my fears. You're going to find things today that are going to, are going to bring you fear. Are you just going to be content with going into a panic room and living that entire day in the panic room? Or do you want to, do you want to feel a conquering of that fear? See, another privilege that we have is our privilege in serving Jesus is not that we experience no suffering, but that we can experience suffering unafraid. Whatever place you're in right now, you can experience what you're experiencing right now with a calm, self-controlled mind. Um, Some say that fear is actually the opposite of faith. And I would actually say maybe, perhaps, fear is putting our faith in the wrong things. Maybe fear is actually putting our faith in things like money and things like jobs and things like safety. So that's where fear comes in is because I'm putting all my faith in in all those things being the way that I want to. Faith, though, is putting hope in the promises that God has actually given to as a child. So, you know, Romans 8, it's all about, so much of it is about these promises that God is is trying to get us to see and believe something differently. And so, uh, again, I want you, if you haven't done so already, grab the study guide on your way out today. There's a, a bookmark that has all these commitments that we're talking about. Today's commitment, I commit to believe that I am not a slave to my fear. Um, and I've got a prayer that's going to go up on the screen here. A prayer that maybe you can just start your day off this week, each day this week. But the prayer goes like this. Lord, my worries and fears can never assure that everything will work out the way that I want it to. My security comes from Jesus, not from myself, my control over my life. Thank you for placing me, in me a new spirit, one that is not fearful. Help me to look to Jesus and to trust his promises over me. Problems are going to come. I may even find myself struggling with fear and anxiety. Sometimes it may become overwhelming, but in Jesus, I have the privilege of casting my cares on him. I can live unafraid because he is bigger than my problems, and his love remains when all else fails. Let's take that kind of a prayer this week and give that to God and say, God, I need, I need you to help me realize this strong, sound mind that you've given to me. Whatever fears I come against today, God, help me to trust you rather than, the, than those fears. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.